Welcome to the Behavior Groups Podcast. My name is Kurt Nelson. And I'm Tim Houlihan. We normally interview interesting people in order to unlock insights into behavioral science and how we can apply them to work and life, but today, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're talking to each other. <laughs> this is a grooving session. This is our grooving session, and it's brought to you today by the Lantern Group, a communication and program design consultancy helping global 1,000 firms with their employee-based initiatives And also by Behavior Alchemy, applying the lens of behavioral science to better answer the question, why do we do what we do? These two firms are all-star partners in assisting your company with optimizing its teamwork, training, or communication. So reach out to Tim or me if you have any interest in getting Lantern Group or Behavioral Alchemy on your side. Or just being cool. (laughs) Or just being cool. Well, in this grooving session, Kurt and I discuss a topic that is near and dear to Kurt's heart, self-identity. I can't wait. So let's jump right in. Kurt, start by giving us a definition. Let's start with a definition. So first off, it's not just near and dear to my heart. We've had conversations (laughs) about this. This is something that you enjoy as well. I I do. In fact, many in-depth, struggling, challenging conversations for about me. Self-identity, <laughs> about yes. self-identity, About self-identity, So yes. I think the, to, to, to begin with, so we all have this concept of who we are, mm-hmm. uh, this idea of who Kurt is or who Tim is. And that's this overarching component that when we talk about ourselves, when we think about ourselves in the big picture component that is in the back of our minds. The interesting thing from my perspective is that psychology really points to the fact that our identity is actually made up of many, many, much smaller what we call self-schemas. And self-schemas are these components of our identity within a certain situation a certain environment, a certain temporal constraint in time. So when we look at ourselves, in other words, uh, when I am with my family, I have a self-schema of how I show up and how I act with my family. That is different than the uh, self-schema that I have when I'm working with a client. So these are environmental or situational? They can be. they are based, they can be uh, based on time. They can be based on uh, the situation, as you said, that you are in, mm-hmm. uh, the environment, all of those factors. So take, for instance, you know, you're a rocker at night, right? <laughs> uh, yes. You go out, you perform in front of, you know, groups of people, you have rock star credentials, all of those factors. But when you're in front of clients, that schema usually doesn't show up. Not you at are, all. Right. You are the behavioral right. scientist in front of your, your clients. And so you act mm. in that way. Um, and so that's, that's that self-identity, self-schema component. Yeah, so, okay. So, uh, so with, with this, uh, this idea that within self-identity, there can be all kinds of uh, situational environmental schema that, that play into this mosaic of, of who we think of ourselves. Right. And, and a schema, another way of thinking about a schema is a, like a mini mind map of how we should act within a situation. Okay. So you take on uh, a different way of acting, right? This, this map of how you should respond to situations or how you should show up. Uh, 
in a rocker situation, which is different than uh, my mother-in-law's house. Yes, that would probably be very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two, two, two different things. Okay, so it's behavioral, right? Yes. The, this, the, these self-identities have a big impact on behavior. And, and that's the area that I first got interested in this. I was looking at what are those triggers and factors that can help us change. And one of the key things in change is having that change be emotional as opposed to being just purely rational. And one of the factors that gets into that emotionality is when it parlays into who we are as individuals, i.e. our self-identity or our self-schemas. And so if we see or we are doing a behavior that is, uh, is not congruent with our self-schema of us in that situation, it should lead to some emotional angst. Mm-hmm. It should be, there's something wrong here. And thus, you can have one of a couple different responses. One is, you can change your behavior to better fit with your self-schema, which is the, in the change world, is what we would be looking to try to do. If you're trying to, to change your own behavior, trying to you know, help other people change is by bringing up that element of, hey, your behavior is not matching this self-schema or self-identity that you hold for yourself. Yeah. You need to change that, that behavior. The other way that this could uh, result, though, is actually looking at that self-schema or that self-identity and realizing, you know, I held this belief about myself that I was a person who, like, I, I will use this example. I, I use it in my bio often. Uh, people go, oh, I, you know, I'm a canoeist, right? It's one of those things. You're an outdoors guy. I'm an outdoors. I am kind of an outdoors guy, but, you know, I, I talk about canoeing in particular. I go canoeing once a year, if that, <laughs> right? So I, I have to really look at that and go, am I a canoeist? Or should I no. change that schema about myself? Um, or I need to change my behavior and start canoeing more, right? Because right. that th- there, there's a dissonance between my behaviors and the schema that I hold for myself. The real interesting and the psychology aspect of this is that those are the two most likely, uh, not likely, the, the two most elements of how this you should respond to that dissonance. Yeah, change your behavior or change your identity. The fact of the matter is, is oftentimes we rationalize no. away our behavior. No. Or we just simply ignore that behavior, right? Yeah. And so uh, there's this whole component about dealing with uh, that behavior by ignoring it, rationalizing it away, um, just not even having it come to a level of consciousness within ourselves. So, so that that is a really difficult way of looking from a behavior change because we don't, right? And so that yeah. it gets into a lot of work on addiction and various different pieces uh, right. where people will uh, rationalize the, their use of drugs and yet still think themselves as, uh, as being not somebody free. who's... Yeah, or, or not being addicted, right? Yeah, I'm not addicted. I'm not yeah. addicted. I only drink every night because it's a social thing to me or I always have, you know, five beers at dinner that's just what you know that's not 
you know, you rationalize it away. Yeah. George Lowenstein's work on, uh, on self-identity and behavior is really great where he talks about those heightened states where, uh, addiction, addiction drives behavior, pain drives behavior, moods and emotions, sexual satisfaction. Those, those things are powerful drivers of behavior and they will trump, um, identity at any given time to the point where we have to work pretty hard to rationalize our way out of that stuff. Yeah, and it's an interesting component because our behaviors can either be congruent with our self-identity or incongruent with our self-identity. And those urges, those immediate gratification components often don't parlay into that identity that we hold for ourselves. And so those are very powerful motivators and they drive our behaviors, but we don't take them into account when we actually think about who we are or what we are, our belief system about ourselves. You mentioned that uh, another way, uh, there's rationalizing and then there's actually just sort of sweeping it under the rug. Yes. Actually just getting rid of it. And I was uh, accosted by this recently when uh, I was talking to a childhood friend who said, oh, remember when you came into the room and you just totally blew up on us for doing something really stupid? And I was like, no, I, I don't remember that at all all and in part because that's not how I see myself right I don't see myself as a guy who's going to walk into a room and just go ape shit on somebody you know I'm I'm actually going to be contained and well balanced and even keeled that's my self-identity and in in this memory is gone in part because it, it doesn't match it with does, your it doesn't fit your your own it's ideal of who you are there um, we talked about schemas and identity being temporal as well. So you can have a vision of yourself today, and that's an identity for yourself. But you can also have this future self that you envision yourself of what you're going to be in the future, which again, from a behavioral change component can be very motivating, can be very powerful for driving the behavior that you need in order to to achieve that change. So, you know, it's, it's why I went back and got my PhD. I envisioned, I had this, I had this vision of who I could be in the future of, you know, having a PhD and and having that kind of image. Those are very powerful, can be very powerful motivators. And so it's interesting when you talk about looking backwards and how our identity of ourselves actually changes what we remember about ourselves. Um, it's interesting, even the way you frame that, you frame go, you, you, you frame your PhD as, I, I went back, I was going back, like I was, I was, I, I had finished with school, but then I was going back, I was making this, this other part of the journey, I was creating something new, Yeah. and you went back to get your PhD, it wasn't yeah. just because you were redefining yourself, you were redefining your self-identity. I was, I was, I was trying to make reality a vision of my future self. Okay, so what can people do about this? What, what what do you want to what do you do? I mean, what what's the action from all this? This is a really fun academic yeah, chat, which is a geeky thing that we like to we do. We love right? it. I yes. love it. All right. Yeah, 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 no. Uh, so in the work around change and using self identity or self schemas to help yourself change. So if you are looking to lose weight, you know, start a business, do whatever else, there you, you can use these self identities. Uh, to try to to drive that motivation and to try to drive that behavior change. One of those is that old adage of fake it until you make it, right? 
and you can hack your schema because all of a sudden, if you start doing those behaviors over and over and over again, pretty soon your self-identity about yourself is going to have to at some point change, right? So at some point, 50 gigs a year, which isn't enough now, I'll just need more gigs to actually get my head into the identity of being a nighttime rocker. Yeah, it's <laughs> something along that, right? Maybe, and maybe it's, again, at a certain point where you just um, have hit that threshold, Okay. right? Uh, and it might not be more gigs in a year, but it's just continually doing them and continually doing them. But this is the other part, right? So this is hack number two on this. Okay. Is ensure that your self-talk is focused on that ideal future self or the identity that you want to strive to be. So if you want to be a rocker, then your self-talk has to convey that rocker conversation it needs to include that as part of what you're bringing to the table and how you're so talking I'm, about yourself so when i'm practicing i'm not deriding myself about uh, not doing enough scales or not doing them well enough uh, that it's more positive right that i get to that i should be using more positive supportive uh, talk to support my ideal future it, and even to the point of looking at those when you're practicing scales, that this is what rockers do, that, that you're identifying the behaviors that you have with that future self of what you wanted to do. So that okay. it is reinforcing the self-identity or that self-schema that comes into that. So Okay, um, what's number three? Yeah, so number three is create small wins. So reinforcing activities that give you, engage in reinforcing activities that, that create these small wins for you. So in other words, um, those congruent behaviors that we have are registered in our brain as, as small reinforcements for the schema. Mm -hmm. um, so they're small wins in this change process, right? And so when we're looking at that, then we can really, the more we set ourselves up for those small little wins and trying to do those things that are going to have a positive response from that, the more likely we're going to, to again, uh, continue with those behaviors and continue with that change. Is, is part of that, um, part of those small wins, is part of that some sort of celebration of those successes, those small successes? Celebration? Uh, in a, I mean, maybe that's a grand word, but at least acknowledging or recognizing, I, I did it. I, acknowledging, I think, is yeah, probably the okay. more appropriate. Celebration is important, right? And in any type of change process or anything that you're looking at, at you, certain you want, milestones, you want to have certain yeah. milestones. This is just understanding that you need to look uh, forward with this stuff and and to, to make sure that you're acknowledging the success that you've had and, right. and how far you've come on that journey to that ideal future self. Okay. Now, there are some cautionary advice, right? Uh -oh. So again, to the point that we talked about, we are very easily, we discount contradictory evidence, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, it comes into that component where we talk about we either rationalize things away or we ignore it. Uh, and so one of the other things that you can do, another hint, is to really make sure that you have a partner who you can potentially work with on this that can be that mirror to yourself. 
sort of a uh, a, a partner, not just uh, or in observation, right? in observation, uh, in someone in who's being, there to say, "Oh, I noticed this." Yes, and and to be able to hold a mirror to you and say, "Look, no, your behavior is actually not in not in alignment with what you've said you wanted to do," or mm-hmm. even on the contrary, sometimes because we we don't always believe that our behavior is moving as fast as we as we think it is, and so they say, "No, you're actually doing the things like you, right?" You are a rocker. You are going out. You have albums. You are you are playing gigs. You have people paying to come and see you rock. So you need a mirror held up exactly. to you. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> this is the reminds me of our conversation with uh, our colleague Todd Fodsika. Oh yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I think that's that's it. Um, from that perspective, let's wrap this up. You know, we'll come back to self-identity, self-schemas at some point in the future, I'm sure. Yeah. Thank you for listening and check us out on all of your favorite podcast uh, podcatchers, including Spotify, iTunes, and a whole bunch of other places. Now, <laughs> Podbean, Podbean, all of those. Right, all those great places. But thanks for listening. Thank you. Have a great day.